I'm Allegra Levy, and you're listening to The Scout Archives, the place where I have the privilege of introducing you to groundbreaking artists who also happen to be wonderful people. For more information on the guests or to nominate someone, head to our website, www.thescoutarchives.com. You can also follow us on social media at the handle The Scout Archives. And you can reach out to me on Instagram at Levy Allegra. Now let's introduce this month's guest. When I first reached out to Holiday to join me in a conversation, I was slightly nervous. I really hadn't known much about her. In our acting class where she served as TA, she saw me take punches from teachers and try to hang on to every shred of control. I would find myself shrinking before her. In every show, I would watch her command a stage. She was stoic. She was well-respected. It was clear she was incredibly talented. However easy it may have appeared, behind the scenes, Holly was an intensely hard worker and incredibly dedicated, putting aside a play-hard lifestyle in college to get what she wanted. She always led with kindness, writing notes to everyone in her cast and crew, and remembering everyone's names, a tradition she has taken with her as she reaches new heights in her artistic career. Holiday's humility has allowed her to be thoughtful. For someone who has achieved such success so quickly, she's incredibly inquisitive about the world around her and her place in it. Her perspective on her life now is wise and mature. She has reached a level she did not think possible so early on, booking The Ferryman on Broadway, and now working with a group of incredibly important women in theater on The Suffragists, all before 24 years old. But it is the time she spends wondering not in a group of artists, but alone that may be the most special to hear about. For she is tackling every obstacle and celebrating every victory in an artistic way, whether it be through a public visual journal or at a piano. In those years since we were TA and student, much has happened to us both. It took us a while to reconnect and for me to find common ground. But now we have a mutual understanding that this reconnection needed to happen at this time specifically. I never expect a cosmic connection in an interview, especially with a subject I didn't know as well as some of the others. So this interview took me by surprise. Holiday's ability to ask questions about herself, what she knows and what she does not, led to one of the most open and honest communications about art and love. I am indebted to Holiday for this conversation and for reminding me why I love talking to artists. She's the perfect person to start off the year for the Scout Archives. Whether she's writing songs about the women who have left an impact on her, or thinking about the diverging paths of love, the curious way she moves through her life is infectious. She is a reminder of how being candid with yourself and with others can only lead to great things. In part one, Holiday and I delve into conversation about the moment she got the call telling her she had booked a Broadway show, about her role in creating safe spaces for female artists, and what the name Holiday means for her. Yay! Hi, Holly. Hello, hello. <laughs> thank you for doing this. Yes, thank you for having me. Would you like to tell everyone where we are right now? Yeah, we're in Rosecrans. It's a little coffee shop on the in the West Village, um, and it's half cafe, half florist, and it uh, feels like a cozy living room. It's my one of my favorite places in the city. Love it. How are you today? Are you feeling good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm a little sleepy. I'm a little sleepy, but that's just normal because um, uh, I'm always sleepy. Um, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. It's a beautiful day. Everything's great, you know? Great. Okay, um, I guess I'll jump right in. I want to talk about your name. 
Um, when I was in school with you, you went by Holly. Yes. I still know you kind of as Holly, but you've kind of made this transition of um, wanting to be called Holiday. Yes. I just want to know when that transition started for you, yes. when you made that decision, and what is it about a name that um, is important to you? Yeah. So I have been... Uh, 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 what's the word I want? Eponymously challenged, I suppose. Like I've been name name challenged for a long time. Um, it's just something that I've never felt like I have fully claimed. Like Holly Gould is not. Everybody loves it. Everyone's like, "Oh, your name is so great," and it's not something that I have vibed with for a long time. And I've gone through the process of um, looking at a different name over and over and finally landed on the idea that I'd like a name where Holly is the nickname of that. So I'd still like to be called Holly in life. Like it's, that's a totally great, um, method of address. And I don't want to change things in my life too much, but, um, I landed on holiday because that's what, um, Holly Golightly's original name in Breakfast at Tiffany's is. And I do the double L's to like homage the choice of spelling from my mother. And my mom's like not happy about it. Um, she's like, don't change your name. But um, names are really important to me, and they're really they're big identifiers. And how we call people by their names in life it means something. And so to hear a name out loud that resonates with you is really important to me. Yeah, yeah, great. Okay, I want to know what your childhood was like because I don't actually really know that much about you. Um, for those who don't know, you are my TA. <laughs> <laughs> in um, probably the scariest acting class I've ever taken, scariest. still in my entire life. Um, I saw you in so many shows, and I was always like, damn, that girl's so good. <laughs> and I was kind of scared of you in our class. I was really scared of everyone in the class. <laughs> and we had, like, Alexis Hewitt and, like, Eamon on the yes, side, too. Yes. And I was just like, this is a lot of older people looking at me. <laughs> But I want to know how you got into performing, yeah. what your childhood was like, yeah. um, if your family is involved in it at all, or how they feel about you being an artist, yeah. just generally. Totally. Um, I grew up in Southern California in a small little beach town, and I kind of stumbled into performing. It wasn't a, um, wasn't like something that like, my mom had done it as a kid. She was like in parades and she tap danced, and she definitely like had a theater bug. But it wasn't like she was doing that when I was growing up. And when I was in seventh grade, um, a boy in my social studies class turned to me and he said, "I'm auditioning for the musical, and you should too." And so I did, and um, it was Susical. I was a Wickersham brother. I was very proud, and we danced down the aisles in the opening number. And that, like, the surge of adrenaline was so addicting in that moment. Like, I really do think it's that. It was so addicting in that moment that I knew I would do that for a long time. That that would be my outlet for a long time. And I didn't realize until sophomore year of, co sophomore year of college, um, sophomore year of high school, that you could do it as a profession. Um, and that's when that changed. And my parents are so, 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 so supportive. Um, they worked on most of the productions that I did when I was in high school, and um, and they're, I mean, they're the ones who sent me to, to performing arts school, which was amazing, and um, and they're just uh, really supportive of me chasing my dreams, which is incredible. It's really incredible. It's a blessing. Yeah, yeah. So you obviously then decided you wanted to move to New York yes. <laughs> <laughs> so and go to NYU. Yes. 
did you always want to pursue theater in school? Did you ever have a change of heart when going through the program? Because, like, that program is, like, very rigorous, and it's very intense, and it's very much like you have to put your all into it, and if you want to do anything else, you probably should change majors. Um, So I'm just kind of wondering if you had any kind of doubt or what kept you motivated to go through the whole program? Because so many people don't even finish that program or they switch studios to a different you know acting concentration or whatever but um so I like respect the people that stay in that studio for four years um so yeah that's what I want to know yeah um I I knew that I wanted to get a BFA that was like in my very um like type a brain in my like type a brain I was like I'm gonna get a BFA no matter what so I do remember like crying on 14th nope 12th and 4th uh, freshman year of college on the phone with my mom going I should have gone to a different school I can't do it you know and, um, but I, there was never a point where I was like get me out of um, training to be a musical theater performer like when I was in school it was that it was nothing else it was like why I didn't transfer studios even though now looking back I'm like that's something I really would have liked to do to push my boundaries you know see what the rest of the world looks like and what it feels like for you for a while I was definitely thinking about taking a creative writing minor um, but that was just all it was so our program was you you know our program was so rigorous and so time consuming that there really wasn't a whole lot of um, consideration for other areas of study and like if I were to go back to school definitely get my grad my graduate degree in acting but study other things because the world is so wide and we should we should know more about what our world looks like. At least that's my personal opinion. So yeah, yeah. But I knew, I knew this is where I wanted to be and what I wanted to be doing. In a very lucky way, I think. In a very lucky way. Um, yeah. Did you have any? Um, because I think from where I stood, because I was younger than you are, and uh, seeing you kind of get, I mean based on talent, obviously, get role after role, and I would say you were very well respected and obviously very talented, but was there ever, it didn't, it seemed as though it was, like, all great for you, and I would be like, god damn, like, how is she doing this? Was there ever, like, a point when you were just like, I hate this, I'm done, like, I'm just so frustrated, like, were there, I don't know, on the outside it seemed easy, but I know that obviously wasn't. Yeah, I don't, there was never a moment where I was like, I quit, Um, because that's just not my, there's also, like, I think everybody goes through that, like, that six-hour period where you're like, I'm done, I'm done, I can't do it anymore, I can't go to that class, I can't do this thing, you know, and, um, and I definitely had some of those moments about, like, specific classes or specific processes, but I didn't have that moment, like, overall, and I think the, the, um, idea that it, looked easy is that like where a lot of people worked hard and played hard in college like I just literally just worked and so a big part of like my transition out of college was like figuring out the balance of like how do we work hard and play hard because those are the people who have a better life balance if you if your whole life is your work you're not actually capable of doing your work because there's no time away from it and there's no room to grow as a human. So um, I think, yeah, it looked, it may have looked easy because I literally didn't do 
anything, anything else. No regrets about that time, but definitely like a, a, as I'm older now, like a significant shift in like, mm, yes, 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 yes. Downtime is important. Let's make sure that we cultivate that and we don't just work until our eyes bleed because that's just not going to get you where you want to It's not going to get you where you want to go, you know? Yeah. Was there a specific teacher who was the most important? Okay. It's a two-part answer. Okay. And it's a little cliche, but Kent Gash really was, like, my mentor through college. And, and his style of directing has so greatly influenced, like, the way that I move through the world now. It's almost dangerous. Like, it's almost dangerous how good of a director and a good of a collaborator in a room and an artistic leader he is that now I sort of, like, my expectations are very high. But for a foundational thing, like, you can't go wrong with Brian Hill. Like, Brian Hill, Brian Hill is my, I see him walking down the street because he lives, like, in my neighborhood. Like, I love the man more than the moon. He is, yeah, he was, like, he was the, he was the most important teacher for galvanizing this thing of, like, we work for a, to a task. We work for, for storytelling and the love of storytelling and, yeah, anyways. I love him. Love. I love him. That's a great answer. <laughs> that is a great answer. I loved him too. <laughs> so much. <laughs> so after college, yes. you um, had a couple months and then you were like, oh, I'm just going to, I'll be in a Broadway show. Casual like, um, <laughs> yeah. That was so soon out of college that like, I'm sure it might have been a little shocking. Yeah. How did it feel to like be achieving this like goal that you've always had so yeah. soon? It happened so fast, and it's like people are always like, "I go to school, and then you like start your life, and it's just supposed to be this like daunting, scary thing." Yeah. But you just like got out there and you did it, and you yeah. booked it. And yeah. I want to know what you learned about yourself through that process, what the audition was like, yeah, um, yeah everything about it. Okay, great. Well, okay, I'll start with the auditions. Um, I was doing a show in Vermont. I knew. I- when I was graduating, I knew I would be taking my equity card and going to do Fun Home at Weston Playhouse. Great. So I'm in Vermont, and I get this email from my agents being like, can you come to the city? They want to see you for the understudy for this Broadway show. And I was like, yeah, of course I can. I, so I got on a train. I worked it all out. Got on a train, got down there, did the whole thing, came back, couldn't make it down for the callbacks, and they Skyped me in. I was the last slot of their day. They dialect coached me over Skype. Like, they were very – yeah, it was insane. It was really, really – and that's how I knew, like, when they were like, we're going to do a dialect session with you, um, that's how I knew they were, like, genuinely really interested and that that was uh, – a pretty strong consideration to be paid so early in a process and so I Skyped and then I didn't hear back for two weeks and my show closed in Vermont and I was with my mom in South Carolina at my older sister's house and we had gone (laughs) I was going to a wedding in like a couple weeks and we'd gone to go look for a dress to wear it's a long story and we'd gone to go look for a dress to wear and I had found this dress and I was like mom buy this for me for my opening night on Broadway. You know, like, years down the line. I don't know nothing. Like, I'm like, look, this dress is perfect. This is the, like, this is it. This is the dress I will wear to my opening, my first opening night on Broadway. 
And she's like, no, 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 no. What do you, no. Okay, so we leave the store, and then two hours later, I get a call from my agents, and I've been prepping for this other audition, and they're like, what's your schedule look like in the fall? And I was like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just auditioning for this thing, so if, if it's that, it's that. And they're like, oh, no, 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 you're you're not free. You're, you're doing the ferryman. And I was like, like, burst into tears, like, ran outside, like, grabbed my mom, went back, bought the dress. Like, that sort of, yeah, it was nuts, because it was just like this crazy... So anyway, so that's the audition process. That's like how I found out, which was nuts. I like genuinely like serendipitous, like find the and I didn't end up wearing that dress to opening. I I wore I wore a suit and I wore that dress to our Tony party. And it was great. It was lovely. It was the perfect move. But um yeah, so crazy. And then wild, just wild. And I um I was um shocked. I, it does. I was a, a great fit for the understudy role for this character. I look a lot like the actress who originally played her. I'm young enough to sustain like <clears throat> the duration of run that they wanted. It was great. It was good. It was a good fit. Um, but Broadway was kind of like I, like so many others, had the expectation we would graduate school. We would be non-equity for a while. We would work our way up through the ensembles. We would do some supporting roles, and then we would be principals. And then potentially Broadway would happen. We're talking like 30. You know, like yeah. 30. And I, um, every single step of my process so far has been the opposite of what I thought it was going to be. Taking my card, like getting my agents during school, taking my card out of college, booking this show, working on the shows I'm currently working. None of it is as expected. And that is, that's actually been really tricky for me because I set expectations and kind of follow them really rigidly. Um, and Broadway was like the end goal. So now that it's happened, and I know what, what it feels like, um, you kind of go, well, what, what now? What now? Yeah. Oh, wait, I have, God willing, uh, you know, 60 more years on this planet at least. What now? Like, and that question is both daunting and so exciting. It's like I've never been able to ask the question, what now? Because there was always... Broadway. There was always, well, what now Broadway? We'll, we'll make that happen. Um, so now to have a different, completely different perspective on life and what I want to be doing is like, it's too, it's almost too much to handle at 23. Like it's almost too much to handle, but it's also like, I wouldn't ask for it to go any other way. Like I'm so uh, lucky to be able to ask the question like, oh yeah, I, what now? What do I want to be doing? What do I actually want to do with my life? You know? Yeah. Long-winded answer. It's a, it's a, it's a bonkers feeling. It's bananas. Like I don't. Uh, and I, what I'm, something that's real, also really hard is trying to go to my peers who haven't achieved that whatever their final goal was, like the last thing on their to-do list, and go start asking what now, now start asking what you want to be doing now. Don't just set a contract and a salary as a goal because once it happens that'll be it and then what like and then what fills your life and what fuels you and makes you want to create you know what is that like let's let's start asking ourselves that at 23 so that when we're 50 we're revolutionary people you know yeah it's it's a and so it's like it was a weird thing to carry as a as a 20 as a 23 year old yeah what is yeah what is that you know like what is that um yeah yeah did you learn anything about um, just yourself going through that process? Because it's such, I mean, 
it's a, it was a pretty long run. It was 10 months. Yeah, it was 10 months. And I, um, did I learn anything about myself during the process? Yeah, I learned, like, I learned, like, uh, I like being an understudy. It's a lot of downtime, and how you fill it is really important. So, uh, <clears throat> learned how to be um, productive in an unproductive space, even though you're employed. Like, does yeah. that make sense? Like, yeah. how do you stay engaged and active, even though you're not performing every night? How do you practice? Um, like, what it, what is it to practice empathy for um, a company of people who? are doing it and things will go wrong and you are sitting downstairs going I wish it you know sometimes I wish it was me yeah. and what is that to like to be able to share and delight in other people getting to achieve something and to, to share that with an audience um, a lot about like business things like a lot about like the way that certain shows or certain things might run because there's also like no set thing like, every show is going to run different and that's annoying because you'd love it to be something you can like type out and like post on the fridge, you know? Like you'd love like just like a little reminder, but you know, like what is it to try to know every person's name in a theater, you know, when that's like a hundred people and they filter in and out, you know, and what is it to say hello to the security guard at the at the yeah, theater entrance door every day and, and build a relationship? What is what is that? Um, yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. Did you learn anything about, well, I guess you kind of answered it, but is there anything else you learned about uh, being in a Broadway show that school could never have taught you? Yes. I think that school taught me a lot about how to do our work on our own. You know, what is it to hold yourself accountable? But then when you, especially when you're an understudy, and when your understudy company is like, we had 30 people in Ferrum. There were like 23 people on stage and a cast of like nine understudies. We, so we don't have enough people to do all the bits in an understudy rehearsal. So what is it to hold yourself accountable not only for yourself but for other people so that we can do our best work together? How do we, how do we learn how to um, best facilitate others, help, help others really succeed? Because I think in school it's very like solo. How do we help ourselves succeed? How do we make sure we're learning what we need to learn to be successful? But in, in that situation, it's really about like how do we get the community to survive as a whole and, um, and succeed as a whole? And um, uh, like I said, like knowing everyone's name is like a really big deal to me. Because when we had, a, we had American replacements halfway through the run. And so Brian Darcy James, famously Shrek, famously Shrek, um, was playing... Quinn Carney and he on the first day came up and shook every single person's hand every understudy when the first day they were in the theater every understudy's hand looked us in the eyes and asked us for our name and then when I was leaving that night he was walking out with me and I held open the door for him and he goes Holly right and it just struck me as that's the kind of that means a lot to know an to know an understudy's name, to know all of the dressers' names, to know the the woman who does your wig only when you go on, to know her name and be a part of her community too, because you're all working towards the same goal. Like, what is that? What is that collective? Here we go. You know, like let's do this thing mentality. Um, some names, names, names are important to me. Sorry. Wow. You were always like that though, because I'm, in every show you would always write everybody a note. Yeah. Yeah, thematically. It's like I still have your note. <laughs> yeah, it's my bulletin board. Yeah. During Merrily We Roll Along, and I was the spotter, <laughs> and I hated my job. Yes, you did hate your job. 
I hated my job and I wanted a chair and nobody would give it to me and I demanded a chair. I was like, Holly's great, but I can't stand. <laughs> um, but that makes so much sense. I mean, I feel like that's just always been like what you've been like. Yeah, yeah. But seeing it, seeing it reflected in like a. a the highest of professional settings has been like a great um, touchstone for like, oh, that is really important. That's really necessary for us as performers. Yeah, yeah, love. Now that the ferryman is closed, what do you do? Are you trying to? Are you finding that? Are you finding that post grad lifestyle? Yeah. <laughs> um, I um, <laughs> I. I mean, aside from all the other projects yes, that you're yeah, doing. Yeah. I've been really fortunate, I think, to work pretty consistently as an actor since Ferryman closed. I've had never more than two months, two to two and a half months of downtime where there was like nothing going on. So I worked a retail job at a vintage store around their Halloween time, which was crazy because it was like helping people pick out costumes, which is kind of my other, not passion, but it's my other interest in theater. And um, I... I'm currently temping. I'm also doing an off, 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 off. It's a Broadway uh, show right now um, called Radium Girls, which is great um, to, to get to flex some muscles. But I've been really lucky to work consistently. And it's been really important to me to work consistently because I am the kind of... Um, I'm the kind of asshole who uh, who doesn't want to have a survival job. I'm here to do like one thing, and I uh, so long as I can like support myself and feed myself and pay my rent, um, I'm gonna try to do that at like all costs. Uh, but it's definitely weird being on a show for ten months and then having it like disappear on just yeah. on Monday. It was gone. You know, it was like such a uh, a weird situation. Um, yeah, yeah, because your routine, your whole routine disappears, your whole stasis disappears. I'm still working on what does my stasis look like, what does routine look like. It's a, that's a, and I don't envy anyone who walked out of college and had to do that in that first summer out because it's just rough. It's rough at any time, but to be like 22 and having just graduated and then have nothing is like... I'm really glad I bypassed that. I'm not so glad to be doing it now, but I'm definitely glad to not have experienced it when everybody else did. And that sounds bitchy, but it's true. It's just true. It's just a fact. I understand yeah. completely. <laughs> let's talk about the suffragists. Yeah, let's. Um, so I'll kind of let you say like what it was, who was in it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of big names in it. Philippa yeah. Sue, um, Kate Weatherhead, Jen Colella, Joe Lambert. Yeah. I love. I love Joe Lambert. I love Joe Lambert. Joe Lambert is my spaghetti. Love. She's great. She's my. She's a big old spaghetti, and I love, love her. her. I love her. Um. So, tell me all about it. Yeah, yeah. Give me all the details. Yeah. Um. I'll start from the very beginning, if that's useful. Uh. Uh. The day after Tony's. I had my first audition for it, for a workshop that was taking place in August. I've done two workshops with them. I did one at, sponsored or produced by the Sundance Institute, which is like famously for films, but they also have a fantastic theater lab. Um, and we went to Mass Mocha in Massachusetts, which is this amazing contemporary art museum. It's like, un like we were rehearsing in a museum. It was shocking. Um, and it was the first time Sundance had sponsored an all-female lab, and that's the best bit about Suffs, um, as it is affectionately nicknamed Suffs, um, is that it's all women. And it was the first time I walked into an all-female room. It's the first time I'd ever been in an all-female casting room, too. Uh, 
and it's um it's mind blowing. It's uh it, it's uh it's actually hard to describe the energy of a room where every single person feels completely free to create because they at all times feel seen and heard. Um, we it's a very emotional piece. It's uh, it's um, about passing the suffrage amendment and getting women the right to vote. And 2020 is the 100 year anniversary of that, the success of that fight um, that these women were fighting for. And um, it's very emotional. It's it's and it's all so. There's a certain point in the show when I start crying, and I don't stop crying until the end, until we get to the end, because it's just cathartic, and it's all these people who are still fighting, all these women of theater who are still fighting for us. Uh, and it's an amazing company. It's like just crazy. Like we took, um, we were with yeah, like you said, Jen Kalella, Philippa Sue. Um, uh, Emily Skinner came with us to Sundance. Um, Joe Lambert, um, Ali Benino, Kuhu Verma, who's like the craziest. I don't know if you know Kuhu, but huh, oh my god, like an absolute queen. And of course, like Shayna Tob, who's like uh, maybe the most uh, incredible woman I've ever met. And Lee Silverman, our director, who's who's just a powerhouse of a woman. Just it's just, it's just crazy women, crazy loving clowning around let's have a good time let's make some beautiful art women like it's just and I so I so something that is really affecting me is um how do we make that space for more people how do we make all female spaces for young female artists because if you can have that experience you can understand what boundaries you want to set in a male dominated room you can understand the way that you want to be spoken to and the way that you want to be treated and seen and heard and valued and you can start to set those boundaries so I'm like I'm producing an all-female reading of The Crucible, small, small reading, but to, and with a female director, female dramaturg, female, all young female producers, because I want more of our generation to understand what that looks like, so that as we move forward in our spaces, we can go, oh, that's what works for me, and that doesn't, and I deserve to feel this way in a space. Not necessarily, like, comfortable and safe, safe not like as an artist. I think we, you know, should feel unsafe as artists. But um, how do how do we? Yeah, how do we do that? It's a crazy room, um, and I'm very very lucky to have worked on it. Uh, it's just brilliant, it's a brilliant piece. It's very cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to Holly Gold for opening up so eloquently and honestly to us. This is part one of the interview, so stay tuned in a few days for the next episode. I also wanted to take this time to address what is going on in the world. It is a really scary time, and it's anxiety-provoking for those who are sick and those who are not. I'm not here to lecture you because, you know, I'm not a medical professional, and I only know as much as we all do, but... I am encouraging you to stay safe and try your best to reach out to loved ones. And, you know, even though there are large hubs of art like theater and concert venues that are temporarily closing, it's still important in this time to stay inspired and stay creating. So I hope that you all will tap into your most creative selves during this strange and somewhat dark time. As always, you can look to the incredible people on the Scout Archives for some needed inspiration. 
For me, it's always other artists that spark ideas in me, and I hope that we can provide you with the same right now. So please be safe, stay healthy, check in with people, and I will speak to you all soon. Bye, guys. Bye.